I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I of the goodness of God. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. So good to me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been
Amen. I want to welcome everybody this morning. Uh, glad to have you here with us. We've got a lot of things that are going to be going on uh, this morning in the service. So especially want to welcome, welcome our online guests. If you're there on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, be sure to follow us, to subscribe, to retweet us there. Click the notification bell on YouTube. That way you'll get those uh, live, rec live notices when we go live. Uh, so just want to encourage you to take the time to do that. Want to welcome those who are on our phone live streaming service. Uh, glad to have you with us uh, also. Uh, and want to encourage you this morning, if you didn't, to be sure to get one of the bulletins. Our ushers will be glad to give you one. There are a few in the windowsills if they've not been taken already. They are at the door, so be sure to grab one there. Our ushers will be glad to come and to give you one of these. Uh, we've got a lot of upcoming events happening in the near future, so we want you to be aware of those things on our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, you can go there under the info tab and download those. So if you're at home, uh, be sure to take the time to do that. Uh, you can also download the worship bulletin for children. They are in the windowsill to my right, so be sure to pick up one of those if you need those for the children. And then also under the info tab is the prayer list. Be sure to download that and be praying through that uh, all throughout the week. We've got some other announcements we'll make uh, in just a little while, but we have a special occasion today that we are recognizing our graduates, and so we want to ask, if you will, to stand as they come in. So would you stand, please? seated. Thank you. Brother Mike? If y'all want to move over there when we stand to sing. Four hundred and five. Have faith in God. Congratulations, you all. What a milestone. Join the choir as we sing Have Faith in God. Y'all stand too. Have faith in God. Have faith. 
Well, as we come to our missionary moment this morning, you'll find in your bulletins there uh, the missionary moment of Fred and Damaris Castro. They are serving in Long Branch, New, New Jersey. Uh, they are seeking to reach out to a diverse community there uh, of people from a various uh, historic backgrounds uh, and Hispanic backgrounds, including uh, both the, the European, Portuguese, and the Brazilian uh, backgrounds. And so uh, God had led Fred and Demarius Castro uh, there to begin that work. They have started Redemption Church, as well as doing an ESL, English as a Second Language class, uh, to help and to minister uh, to those people. They have been able to connect with more than 200 people in the community. So we want to uplift Fred and Damaris Castro in our prayers, as well as all of our missionaries across North America and around the world. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the many blessings that you have given to us. We thank you for our missionaries like Fred and Damaris Castro who have answered the call to go to places like New Jersey as well as many other places across North America and around the world to share the gospel, to disciple believers, to start new churches, to grow your kingdom work. And so, Father, I pray that you will bless them today wherever they may be gathered, uh, wherever they may be meeting, and we just give them up into your hands, ask for you to watch over them, protect them, provide for them in their every need, and we just ask a special blessing upon them in their services this morning. We pray, God, that you would bless us as we come to worship you too. We pray, God, that you will continue to impress upon our hearts and our giving, uh, Lord, to continue to give to you, and knowing that every Sunday we're giving, a portion of our tithes and offerings are going towards supporting those missionaries on the field, as well as those special offerings that we do throughout the year. So bless the offerings, Lord, bless us, that we might be a blessing to others. And we just ask, Lord, for you to bless our service this morning. We just simply want to bring glory and honor to you in all that we say and do. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And amen. Uh, let me just remind you uh, that you can do your giving. Uh, you should have envelopes in the pew in front of you uh, that you can do your giving and place them in the offering plates at the front or at the doors as you leave. If you're at home, uh, you can do this online at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do your regular online giving. Uh, you can continue to do your Annie Armstrong Easter offering giving there for North American Missions uh, as we still have not yet reached our goal. So I want to encourage you to, to do that if you've not uh, done that. But you can do that online as well. Uh, as in person. Uh, let me just mention to you too, we do have our, our invitation cards available. If you want to take a few uh, to give to people, see me after the service, I'll be sure to give you some. Uh, but we do need some uh, little bit of help. We've had some individuals who've helped us before in putting some labels on uh, some of the postcards to be sent out in a mail out later this week. Uh, we do want to ask if you would uh, to, to see me after the service if you'd like to help with that. Uh, we've got one group that's about 750 and the other one that's about 780 uh, that we need labels put on. See me after service, first come, first serve. Uh, we'll get you those and you can uh, help us uh, with that. And then also just want to uh, make you aware and be reminding you after the service, we're going to be having our fundraiser for the youth. Uh, come by, please uh, don't leave before you do that. Go by and support them. Uh, and give to the ministry there. So donation, so it's whatever you want to give. You can give more than what the mill is worth uh, to, to support them uh, in their camp uh, ministry as well as uh, the desserts are from the children's ministry uh, and their camp that they're going to. And so I just want to encourage you to take the time to go back to the fellowship hall to partake in that.
that. Uh, before we do all of that, we're going to recognize our graduates at the very end of the service, right after the invitation, and then we're going to enter into our special call business meeting for the ballot vote that you should have in your hand. If you didn't get one of those, our ushers will be glad to come and give you one of those. If we ran out of those, we'll make sure we got a few extras printed uh, for you. Uh, but just wanted to let you know when that is, since it's not uh, there in the bulletin for when that will be. Just remember, it's a no discussion uh, vote. It's just going to be calling us into session to vote on that. You'll then uh, put them in the plates as you leave after the announcements, after that in the prayer time that Brother Rick will be leading us. That's all I have to say, so Brother Mike, if you'll come. Let's sing and be thankful for God's grace for all of us. Grace greater than our sin. We'll do all three verses, Tom. If you would now, uh, join us by standing, and the children will be gathering on the piano side for Children's Church. I'm assuming still haven't met. Okay.
Let's sing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Ladies. to Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14 through 16, then verse 20 to 25 and verse 47 to verse 50. And you'll find out in a minute why we're skipping so many verses there. We've done some of the other verses uh, as we've already looked at uh, the Lord's Supper there. I've entitled the message this morning, Faltering Faith. And you'll see that as we go into this message about Judas and what he did uh, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we want to begin with verse 14 down through verse 16. Let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me? if I deliver him over to you. And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer this morning, as we come to hear from you through your word, I pray that you will speak truth into our hearts to help us, Lord, to make sure we're making the most 
of our lives. We especially uplift our graduates, those from high school, those from college. Lord, as they begin new chapters in their life, Lord, I pray that they will stay and remain faithful to you in their lives and in their hearts, following you, serving you, loving you with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind, and loving others as they love themselves. And so, Father, I pray that their faith would not be a faltering faith, that we'll learn some things this morning for all of us to help us not to falter in our faith, to make sure we have a firm foundation in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So bless your word this morning. Bless this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, there are many famous people in the Bible. There's Moses who parted the Red Sea. There's Daniel who slept in the lion's den. There's David who's the famous uh, giant killer, the most famous giant killer in history. And then, of course, there's Jesus Christ, simply the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But the most infamous person in the Bible, without a doubt, though, is Judas Iscariot. He's without question the most wicked man in the Bible. It's one of the saddest stories in the Bible. He has the most despised name in the Bible. I mean, let me ask you a question and think about it carefully. Have you ever in your life met someone who's named Judas? I haven't. I've met many people named Matthew, many people named Mark or Luke or John or Peter or Paul or Andrew or James, but I've never met a man whose mother named him Judas. In John chapter 7 and verse 12, notice what Jesus called Judas. He called him the son of destruction or the son of perdition as some versions will say. The Greek word for destruction there literally means a waste. So in other words, his name means that, that he was a waste. And, and an interesting fact that you may not know is that the name Judas comes from the word Judah, which means to praise. And so his life, like every life, was meant to be a life lived in praise of God. But instead, his life becomes a complete waste. In fact, you'll see here with Judas Iscariot who betrays Jesus Christ with a kiss, he has become the most detested person even in history. The name Judas itself bears with it so much stigma with it. Now, the New Testament writers here had such a disdain for Judas that every time that you read one of the lists of the disciples in the gospel, you remember who's always listed last? Judas. And so there's one thing I want you to see and learn because of Judas. Here's the key takeaway. That even when we betray God, God will not betray us. God will still love you, and God still offers his grace and his mercy to you. This is one of the most difficult passages and messages because it forces us really to examine our own hearts. When you study the man who literally gave Jesus the kiss of death, you realize there are several things that are true about Judas that are true about us. Here's the first point I want you to get from our message this morning, is that you can fake a relationship with Jesus. Ever, there's anybody in here can fake a relationship with Jesus. 
There's a fascinating fact here about Judas and the disciples at first glance that you might miss. And you can see it when you pick it up in what Jesus says down in verse 20 through verse 22. So let's read those verses, if you will. So it says in verse 20, When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, Is it I, Lord? So you begin to see there. Do you see what I'm talking about? Perhaps another version of what happened will help. If you look over at John's Gospel, in John's Gospel, in John chapter 13, and verse 21 down through verse 22, the Bible says, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. Do you see it in both sections there, in John and in Matthew? Here's what I want you to see. It really wasn't readily apparent to any of his disciples who the traitor, who the betrayer was. In fact, the very first thing we see in both of those accounts uh, that we see from every one of those disciples, they asked, could it be me? If you'd been in that room that night, and you would live with Jesus and those disciples for three years, and somebody said to you, I want you to pick out amongst this group who is the traitor, your odds would have been no better than 1 in 12 to get it. Why? Because outwardly, it is possible to fake a relationship with Jesus. You can do all the right things. You can look on the outside like you're doing all the good things. But on the inside, you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. Just, just like the disciples, you would have been shocked to find out that this traitor was Judas. In fact, in verse 47, look how Matthew refers to Judas even in the Garden of Gethsemane. In verse 47, it says, While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve. This is after he had prayed in the garden. He had been speaking to his disciples, explaining, Why didn't you stay awake with me? He's still speaking to them. While he's still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. So Matthew still refers to Judas as one of the twelve. Judas came one of the twelve. So he's still referring to him as one of the twelve. And, and the reason why I believe uh, that here we have that designation, as we see Matthew refers to Judas as one of the twelve over and over, he's often designated that way in the New Testament. And the reason why the gospel writers uh, kept referring to Judas as one of the twelve was to emphasize just how shocked and how stunned and how surprised they were that it was Judas who turned out to be the traitor. Because think about it, when Jesus called these 12 men to follow him, he included Judas. According to Acts chapter 1, that means that Judas had been baptized by John the Baptist and had made some kind of outward profession of faith. For three years, everything the disciples had done and experienced, he had done. Everything they had experienced, he experienced. For three years, he had heard the messages of Jesus. He had heard the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. 
He heard the wonderful parables about the good Samaritan, about the prodigal son, about the lost sheep. Uh, let me just take this back and apply it to us right now. It is frightening that somebody could be exposed to so much truth from the Son of God in a, himself in a three-year period and yet not only remain an unbeliever but be strengthened in his unbelief. That's why it's not only important to hear the truth with your ears, but to believe the truth and to receive the truth in your heart. So let me just stop for just a moment. We're recognizing our graduates, and I just want to say a word to our graduates. Graduates at Highland Baptist here, you have been exposed to the, to the gospel and the truth of God's word. Pastor Matt has poured his heart and, and his ministry into helping you to be better equipped to face this world. And, and the frightening, it's frightening to realize that so many who have faced what you're about to face have turned and faltered in the faith that they professed. Some showing that they never had true faith in Jesus to begin with. Understand this, according to a Lifeway study, uh, two in three, 66% of American young adults who attended a Protestant church regularly for at least a year as a teenager say they also dropped out for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. When you go off to college, you go off to pursue your new ventures in life, if you move to a new city, moving to a new city can, can be difficult, even if you're only going to be there during the time uh, of, of school and, and college. Uh, you know, it's difficult for anyone. After high school, uh, many of our, our students, they leave their parents, they leave their best friends behind. You know, relationships are so important when it comes uh, to connection. So I want to encourage you, get plugged in to those on-campus Bible studies, Baptist College uh, Collegiate Ministries on the college campus that maybe you're going to, or even locally, stay uh, in, locally involved uh, in a church. Find a place that you can be in service. Get connected to a local body of believers. You know, many teenagers are pulled away as they get, as they get increased independence, a driver's license, a, a job, and then especially as they move away to college. That plays into part in what we see here with Judas because understand and think about what Judas saw. He saw the miracles. He saw the feeding of the 5,000. He saw lame people that, that Jesus said, get up and walk, and they walked. He saw people who were dead come back to life. He was there on the Sea of Galilee when the storm came up and, and Jesus walked on the water and he saw Jesus calm the storm. He saw Jesus feed those thousands of people with a few loaves and a few fish. And he saw all of those miracles, and yet he never allowed Jesus to perform the greatest miracle in his own life of changing his heart. He saw people coming to Jesus. He saw a man named Nicodemus be born again and experience that true relationship with God. He saw a greedy tax collector named Zacchaeus climb down out of a sycamore tree and meet Jesus and become a follower of Jesus. Amazingly, Judas saw many people come to Jesus, but he never truly came to him. Most amazingly, he even performed ministry for Jesus. You know, when we come to the end times and we come to the judgment, the Lord, there are going to be those who are going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not do great and mighty things in your name? And he's going to say to them, depart from me. I don't even know you, you workers of iniquity. 
And so here was even Judas uh, who had performed ministry for Jesus, who had went out and, and, and shared about the kingdom of God, and, and Jesus even made him the treasurer of the group. He let him handle the money, and that's why Judas is the greatest tragedy that ever lived. He's a perfect example of what it means to have the golden opportunity in your hands and to lose it. Because for three years, he saw the same miracles, he heard the same message, he performed the same ministry as every other disciple, and yet he didn't become what they became. Understand this, you can be a member of a church, you can hold down a church position, you could be a deacon, you could even be a pastor, but that doesn't mean that you're right with God. You can be connected with Jesus, but not connected to Jesus. Judas was often at the side of Jesus, but he was never on the side of Jesus. And the reason why he could do the things that he did is because he never truly knew Jesus. He knew about him, but he never knew him. I mean, he thought that he was going to be the Messiah who's going to deliver us, the one who's going to set up his kingdom. And Jesus had been talking in these last days that he's going to die. And, and maybe Judas thought, I'm going to force his hand and make him do what he, we think he's come to do as the Messiah and, and turn him over to the authorities. And then we'll see he'll overthrow them. Who knows what he was thinking at that time? But please understand, it's not that Judas was at one time a believer and a follower and then turned away. He never really believed. It's a perfect example of 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 that says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. One of the most sobering and serious verses in all of the Bible is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 that says to examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So let me encourage you to ask this question of your own heart right now, especially for our graduates. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you a fan of Jesus? Is my relationship with Jesus Christ real or is it a fake, a fraud? Remember that you can fake a relationship with Jesus. The second thing we learn about Judas here that can help us to learn is that you can break the heart of Jesus. Because notice what had happened in the story here. Jesus had, had instituted the Lord's Supper. We talked about last week where he washed the disciples' feet. He, he humbled himself to become a servant. And Jesus had just finished washing the feet of the disciples. They're about to observe the Passover. It's a relaxed setting. The disciples are talking with each other. They're laughing. They're joking. And then we read these verses again in verse 20 down to verse 21. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. That stopped everybody, dead in their tracks. Every disciple's mouth probably flew open at that moment. What? One of us is going to betray you? Their eyes probably got as big as saucers. They were shocked, to say the least. John gives a little more detail about this scene in his gospel in John chapter 13 and verse 21 and 22, where he says, After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit 
and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another uncertain of whom he spoke. So, so you talk about dropping a bombshell. It wasn't just what Jesus said, but the way that he said it. Because the scripture says he was troubled in his spirit. Now that word troubled is the same word that is used in John chapter 11 when Jesus stood by the grave of Lazarus and wept. It's that same word. In other words, his heart was broken because of Judas. It wasn't because he was going to the cross that Jesus was troubled. His heart was burdened uh, that he was going to the cross. It wasn't broken that he was going to the cross. Uh, his heart was broken for Judas. His heart was broken that Judas had never loved him like all the other disciples. His heart was broken that Judas was about to make a decision if he hadn't already made it that would condemn him to be eternally separated from God. His heart was broken that Judas would not accept his love and his grace and his forgiveness. His heart was broken that somebody that everybody else thought had been a friend to Jesus was really his greatest enemy. That's what makes Judas's treachery particularly terrible and wicked and horrible. Let me ask you this. Think about this. Has anyone ever hurt you? Has anybody ever betrayed you? Has anyone ever broken your heart? If you're like me, you realize something. If you look back and think about the people who, who have really hurt you in your life, it's not the people that you thought were or, or even knew that were your enemies. It's the people who you thought were your friends. You realize here that Jesus had to live with this hurt and this heartache for three years. It's worth noting that Judas had fooled everybody except Jesus. Jesus knew from the very beginning that Judas would betray him. From the very moment he called Judas to become a follower. Here's what John chapter 6 and verse 64 says. But there are some of you who do not believe. And here's what it says. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So from the beginning, Jesus knew this. From the beginning, Jesus lived with this heartache and this hurt. For three years, he knew that Judas was a fake and a fraud. And even to the very end, Judas rejected the love of Jesus. Unlike all the other disciples uh, who had referred to Jesus that night as Lord, Judas couldn't even bring himself to do that. Look, if you will, down to verse 23, down to verse 25. So after Jesus had said that and the disciples had questioned in verse 22, is it I, Lord? He answered, Jesus did, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. So notice verse 25. What does he call him there? Rabbi. 
If you go back to verse 22, uh, the, the disciples were asking him, is it Lord? So every time we understand this, every time we betray Jesus, it, it breaks his heart. We betray Jesus when we're ashamed to speak up to him. Judas couldn't even call him Lord. He calls him Rabbi. We betray Jesus when we refuse to accept his offer of salvation. We betray Jesus when we put money and material things ahead of his kingdom. We betray Jesus when we deliberately disobey his commands. It tells us much about Jesus to know that we can break his heart. Remember, you can fake a relationship with Jesus. You can break the heart of Jesus. But here's one other lesson still to learn from Judas that I think is one of the greatest lessons of Judas for us to learn. You cannot shake the love of Jesus. Let's think about that. Jesus knew for three years, at least, three, three and a half years, that Judas was the one who was going to betray him. He knew he was a fake, he knew he was a fraud, and yet, all throughout it all, Jesus kept loving him. Jesus kept loving him. Has it ever occurred to you that the only reason that Judas lived as long as he did and even lasted long enough to betray Jesus was because of that incredible love that Jesus had for him. John chapter 6 verse 64 says, But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. It's any normal human being in the position of Jesus, knowing what he knew about Judas, would have had Judas taken care of a long time before now. Not only did Jesus take no action against him, but his love for Judas had been evident for those three, three and a half years. Remember, remember when Jesus predicted that someone would betray him? All the disciples were confused. They didn't have a clue which one of them was the traitor. It proves that Jesus had shown the same love to Judas for those three years that he had shown to those other disciples. If Jesus had somehow ever treated Judas any different, if he had treated him indifferently, if he had ever been distant from him, if he had ever shown the least bit of resentment, every disciple would have picked up on, oh, we know who it is, it's Judas. That's the one he didn't like from the beginning. But not once do you see that. They're confused as everybody at the end there. When the disciples' feet were washed, you know whose feet he also washed? He washed Judas's feet. You, you would have never noticed this, but at the supper, Jesus showed love to Judas by giving him the place of honor. Look at this from John's gospel in John chapter 13 and verse 23 down to verse 26. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved, who is that? That's John. One of those disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter mentioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Verse 25, so that disciple leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? Tell me who it is. Who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Now understand this, Jesus didn't have to get up from the table and go down to the end of the table to give it to Judas. Here's John on one side of him, and he's talking to John, and John's saying to him, who is it? 
And here's Jesus who takes and dips the bread in, hands it over to Judas. He'd given him a position of honor. At a traditional supper, the left hand was the place of honor. Judas was sitting at the left hand of Jesus. The reason why Judas was sitting in that place of honor is no doubt because the Lord had invited him to come and to sit there that night. We see that in verse 23 down through verse 25 there again. On the table during the Passover feast, there would have been the dish filled with those bitter herbs and vinegar and salt and dates and figs and raisins. Water would be added to it and, and it would be mashed up into this kind of a dip and the host would put a piece of bread into that dip and to whomever he would give it to would be considered that night the guest of honor. When Jesus gave that bread dipped in that, in that dip, uh, it was another way of saying to Judas, I love you. And I'll still accept you. And I'll still receive you if you'll come to me. For Judas, the table was set. The deed was done. And the way it was done only added insult to injury. Jesus and his disciples go off to the Garden of Gethsemane after the supper. And we read these words in verse 47 down to verse 49. While he was still speaking... Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Verse 48, now the betrayer, who's Judas, had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, rabbi, and he kissed him. Couldn't even call him Lord again. Think about that. With a smile on his face, but death on his lips, he calls Jesus by that respected title again, Rabbi, and then kisses him. As you're going to see here, it was a kiss of death, not primarily for Jesus, but for Judas. You know, kisses were a part of the culture of that day. Slaves would kiss the feet of their master. Many times criminals would kiss the feet of a king and beg for a pardon. Great respect could be shown to someone by kissing the hem of their garment. Students would often kiss uh, the hands of their teachers, uh, but an embrace and a kiss was a sign of affection and love and intimacy, and it was usually reserved for the closest of friends. Understand, Judas didn't have to kiss Jesus. He could have, to those guys who were with him, those soldiers with him, he could have just walked up and he could have pointed at Jesus and said, that's the man. Out of all the people in the congregation that were gathered there at the Gethsemane, he could have pointed specifically to Jesus with his finger and said, this is the one. There he is. There's the one you want. You can have him. But instead, he kissed him. And in the original language, it doesn't mean that he just gives him a peck on the cheek. Instead, he kisses him again and again and again and again. He kisses him repeatedly. And how did Jesus respond? Go down to verse 50. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Isn't that amazing? That even in the end, Jesus calls him, 
He didn't use the word, the normal word used for friend there. He used the word that simply means companion or acquaintance. Even at the last minute, there's no condemnation of Judas. There's no anger. How could you do this, Judas? There's no bitterness from Jesus towards Judas. He was still dealing with Judas with that tender love that he had had in his heart for everyone for those three, three and a half years. In case you don't know how the story ends with Judas, the Bible says that he goes on out to a field after they arrest Jesus, throws a rope across the limb of a tree, makes a noose, tightens it around his neck and swings out into a godless eternity. It's extremely difficult to even fathom how anyone could live without God. And it's even harder to understand how anyone can die without God. If there was a grave that was ever made a grave for Judas that you could find and a gravestone that marked it, do you know what I believe would have been the final epitaph of this man? It's the same epitaph that could be written on the gravestone of every single person in this world who dies without Jesus. Here's what Jesus said about Jesus. Here's the epitaph, Matthew 26, verse 24. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Do you know why that's true? Because the Bible says if you're born twice, that is physically born and spiritually born, you only die once. But if you die once... You'll, you'll die twice. You'll die physically and spiritually to be eternally separated from God forever. If you die twice, you'll wish that you'd never been born at all. Judas wound up as the only man in the whole Bible who is specifically named as being in hell today. There are others who Jesus refers to, but he never names them. Judas is the only one who's named as being in hell today. I heard a pastor say one time that every sinner may go to hell unsaved, but no sinner ever goes to hell unloved. Thank God that even when we betray him, he never betrays us. Remember, you can fake a relationship with Jesus. You can break the heart of Jesus, but you can never shake the love of Jesus. So I encourage you today, if you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to Jesus, to give your heart to that kind of God today, to surrender your heart to him. He has loved you with an unimaginable love. He's given you another opportunity where he didn't have to, to come to faith in Jesus. Graduates, I encourage you, stay faithful. Stay faithful. May your faith never falter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the blessing of this passage. What a tragedy to hear and to read and to see in the life of Judas. But what a lesson it leaves for us. That if we're here this morning and we don't know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on that cross was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. Jesus, will you come into my heart and into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I believe in what Jesus did for me. I trust in him. Help me to be saved. Father, I pray that, that once we've done that, that it wouldn't just be a pub, just be profession with our lips, but it would be belief in our hearts 
And Father, you've told us that if we profess with our lips and we believe in our hearts, the Bible says we are saved. And so Father, I pray that we will have that assurance. And Father, I pray that we'll remain faithful in that faith that we have in Jesus Christ. No matter what the obstacles are that we'll face, no matter what the obstacles are these graduates are gonna face in life. Father, I pray that you will be with them and walk with them. And Father, I pray that they will know that you are there for them, even in the darkest times that they may face, and even the times when they're on the mountaintop, may they experience your presence more and more each day. Father, I pray this morning for those of us who are here as believers, Lord, that we would not take these things for granted, but we would do what the scripture tells us to do, that we would examine our hearts to make sure that we are in the faith that we know, that we know, that we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Lord, maybe we need to come to the place of repentance, maybe just to pray and to ask you, God, to forgive us for how we have lived our life. Maybe we have not loved you through our actions the way that we should. And so, Father, I pray that you will uh, help us to be set on the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Lord, lead us and guide us in the days and the moments ahead. And may your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 275, will you come as the Lord lays upon your heart? As we stand, as we sing, I surrender all. seated for just a moment. Pastor Matt's going to come and recognize our graduates. Uh, so if you'll come. Well, before we start recognizing our graduates, if you are a parent of a graduate, would you please stand? If you're a parent of a graduate, if you're a parent of a graduate, please stand. If you're a parent of a graduate, please stand. There we go. We got them all. All right. Hey, let's give these parents a round of applause. So, Parents, we thank you for your hard work and all that you've done to help your students get to this point. And so we know that you will continue to be there in their corner. So graduates, please always know that your parents are there for you. Even as you go off to college, need someone to talk to, 2, 3 a.m., they may be a little grumpy, but hey, give them a call and always tell them you love them, all right? And so uh, 
we got three graduates here. We have a couple who weren't able to make it, but we are going to honor them as well. And so we're going to do our high school graduates first, followed by our college graduates. And each uh, graduate is going to receive a gift. And so just so you can see what those are, uh, each graduate receiving is a daily gospel devotional by Paul Tripp, uh, New Morning Mercies. I would encourage you, uh, get you a copy of this. It is good stuff. All right. And so this is another book they're going to be receiving is Nine Common Lies Christians Believe by Shane Pruitt. And so another good book uh, for, I'd encourage you, encourage your graduates to read it. You read it as well. And also, this is probably one of the more important books I would say that we're, we're giving them. It's called Rediscover Church, the importance of being part of a local church and, and the importance of being uh, accountable to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because it's the temptation as you move away or if you go off to college somewhere else, well, it's kind of up to you to have to get up in the mornings to, to be a part of a church, to, to make that connection. And so your parents aren't really, you know, waking you up anymore. And so for you to grow and walk in your Christ, church is essential. And so just like Pastor Jim was talking about, uh, when it comes to uh, your faith and your, and your uh, relationship with Jesus, we need the church. We need one another to hold each other accountable, to encourage one another. And I want to encourage y'all, I graduates, with this last message. Romans 1.16, do not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Remember that. Don't be ashamed to stand up for what we've talked about multiple times. Stand up for Jesus. Share the gospel. Live the gospel. Be passionate about the gospel. So, As we honor our graduates, our first graduate that we are going to honor will be Alexis Austin. Please come to the stage. Thank you. Alexis graduated from Tullahoma High School. Please continue to pray for her as she decides between attending Motlow or MTSU in the fall. next graduate is, is no stranger to anyone, Micah Raymond. Come on up, brother. Before you go. So this is, uh, a little, this is special to me because when I first came to Highland, there was five students, and Micah was one of those original five. And so it's been a, it's been a blessing to see Micah grow in his walk with the Lord and to see him get to this point. And if you ever need to know how to get out of a fight with a seatbelt. Mike is the guy to talk to. All right. So, there is a story there, but I'll let, I'll let him tell that story to y'all. So, our next graduate isn't able to be here today, but Lance Thompson, he also graduated from Tullahoma High School with honors. Uh, he plans to attend MTSU in the fall of 2023 and pursue a degree in audio pr production. So if you know that family, please be sure to congratulate, congratulate Lance as well. All right, now to move on to our college graduates. Matthew Hasty, he was not able to be here either. And so Matthew graduated from Tennessee Tech with a bachelor's degree in manufacturing engineering technology with a minor in business. So please, you know Matthew, 
give him a call, uh, send him a card, let him know that you love him and you're proud of him. Our last graduate today that we are honoring is Lauren Lee. Lauren graduated from Motlow State with an associate's degree in science. She maintained a 4.0 and received the President's Award from Motlow. She has been accepted into the University of Alabama at Huntsville nursing program where she will receive her Bachelor of Science in Nursing. She then plans to pursue her Master's in Nursing and become a nurse practitioner and take over the family business. I see. <laughs> I see. So, congratulations, Lauren. So before uh, I step down, I just want to pray for these three graduates. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you for uh, these graduates. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had at this church to invest in them. Lord, as they head out to continue on in their education, whatever they may do, God, I just pray you would be with them, help them, and Lord, may they always seek you in any decision they may have. May they honor you with their lives, Lord, may they share Jesus with those around them. So, Father, we thank you for the blessing of these kids. And even though they're now adults, Lord, they're still kids to us. And we know that you love them and that you care for them and you have great plans for them. Thank you for the parents who have invested in so much in them. Lord, we just pray uh, that you would just continue to use them for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this time we're going to enter into our special business meeting, so I'm going to call Brother Jerry, uh, wherever he's at, uh, to go ahead and come. He's going to call us into session. Remember, this is no discussion. It's just our vote, and so this is pretty much just a formality for him to come and to do this. Uh, you will put your ballots in the offering plates as you leave uh, after we do our business part of it. As moderator, it's my duty to call us into session anytime we conduct a business meeting, and this is a very special business meeting. By now you have received probably or hopefully one of these blue cards. We'll ask you to mark yes or no according to your wishes. Is there anybody so. who has not received one of those blue cards? If you'd raise your hands. Our ushers, do you have some there, Ron? There's one back over here. There's one down here. Anybody up in the balcony? Okay, I don't see anybody up there that's a member that's raising their hands. There's one over there on that side and there's one down here. By now, I will assume that you've read what's on this blue card. There's been a lot of discussion about this. There's been a special uh, session in our uh, church meeting Sunday night to talk about this. So you will we'll proceed to vote. This vote will be counted this afternoon, and as I understand, you'll be notified by electronic means. All right. I'll now declare that this business session is over. Preacher. Now we're going to call Brother Rick if he'll come and close us out with our announcements and our closing prayer. Don't forget that we have the meal uh, back in the fellowship hall to support our youth and children. Oh, yes, we need to do our graduates. Yes, sorry. <laughs> if you would, let's stand as our graduates are dismissed.
just a few quick announcements before uh, we release everybody. Um, keep in mind that uh, as you go out, put your uh, voting ballot into one of the offering plates um, or make sure that gets into the hands of one of the deacons so we can count that. Um, and there will be a call that goes out a little bit later um, letting us know uh, the results of that. Um, there is a deacons meeting today at 4 p.m., so deacons uh, keep that in mind. And um, we do need a few deacons to stay right after and count the uh, ballots as soon as we get them all collected. And then there's also a personnel meeting at 5 p.m., so if you're on that, uh, uh, make sure to be here for that later. A um, couple of prayer requests. Um, Brian is having an ultrasound later on this week, so keep him in your prayer um, as he goes through that procedure. And uh, Bobby um, has a prayer request that slash um, praise, I guess. Um, he got his brother up here from Florida in this past week, and he just wants to thank the congregation for all the support and prayers that you gave him over the past couple of weeks. Um, and youth, um, go ahead and be dismissed to go to the fellowship hall so you can start setting up for getting that, and we'll give them, and you got an announcement, Brother Jimmy? Oh, gotcha. Um, we'll give them just a second to kind of get out, and then we'll close in prayer. And do please join us um, if you can come down and get some of the good barbecue um, and some desserts back there. Uh, you might not eat it right after lunch uh, for lunch today. Save it for dinner tonight. Um, come support uh, both the youth and the uh, children's department with the, all the things that we are able to do for them because of the support of the church. So let's pray real quick. Dear gracious Lord, our Heavenly Father. We just come before you and thank you so much for everything you give us each and every day. We thank you for each and every person you've put in this congregation of believers, and we thank you for the love that you show on us, shower on us every day and the love that is uh, shown by each and every one of these believers, Lord. We just uh, ask you to forgive us where we fail you, Lord, because we do it each and every day, but your grace, your love um, just covers all of that such that uh, we are as white as without sin. Um, we just thank you and ask you to bless us as we go through this next week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.